Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. So 2020, you have been a bit of an interesting year, but interesting doesn't always mean bad, right? Depending on what is going on in your world, now might be the right time to buy a house, believe it or not. What do you need to know? What credit score you're aiming for? How to secure the best loan? and countless other important details coming in this episode with Anthony Sherman, co-founder and CEO of Simplest. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna. 
money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I shared a little bit about my story in this episode, but I bought my first house at 24. I'm not sharing this to brag at all. We probably should have never bought a house. (laughs) We barely had enough cash to cover the down payment, fees, and then pay all the costs that come after you buy a house. This was right before I went into the financial field and the paperwork and everything that you had to do with buying a house just literally put my head in a complete tailspin. I have always had this sort of obsessive habit over numbers, and so it was just a lot of numbers all at once. Moral of the story, though, know when it's the right time to buy a house for you and your wallet. But when you do, technology has come such a long way that companies like Simplest literally take the headache part out of the mortgage process and really give you back time and your sanity, which I can tell you is a big win when you're buying a house. What I really wanted to know from Anthony, though, was honestly, in this crazy year, in 2020, should you still be thinking about buying a house? Anthony, I'm so excited to have you join us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really uh, look forward to to being on this podcast, and it's really great how you're um, helping people uh, understand these complex financial issues and that are that are super stressful to most people. So we're happy that we can help give a little color on uh, on the mortgage side of things. I do my best. I know that this is a complicated process, and uh, I've had to handhold so many different friends who are, are buying homes over the over the years. And you can just see like the the fear in their eyes that they're so happy to be purchasing a home, but the paperwork, the numbers. I mean, you know, sometimes people are like, why am I actually going through this process? Yeah, I think um, it's probably one of the biggest financial decisions in most people's lives. And the amount of stress uh, around um, the process of obtaining a mortgage actually just kind of uh, increases the, I guess the, uh, the level of stress because it, it, it traditionally is not an easy process. And uh, there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of variables that can, in, you know, impact your outcome. And so yeah. I think um, I think getting a better understanding of, of things you can do to kind of reduce that stress early on to have a smoother process. And so you're not so anxious uh, going through it. So I think I, I think definitely um, I understand their their concern. And uh, obviously, that's one of the reasons we, um, you know, we decided to build Simplest and, and kind of help people a little bit through that journey. Yeah, I feel like it, it, there's never enough resources when it when it comes to this. And probably the number one question that I have been asked over the last couple of months is, does it still make sense to buy a house in 2020 with everything going on? You know, what what are your thoughts on that? Do we have do we have a green light? Is it caution? Is it flat out red? Like like what how is what's happening here in 2020 affecting buying houses? Sure. So um, a couple of things. I think from everyone kind of has to do some personal reflection in terms of where they feel comfortable in their personal circumstances and their job security. So I would say that's probably the right. first thing I would probably uh, tell most people to think about a little bit. And obviously, like uh, there's a little bit of a bifurcation of, of some businesses doing better than ever before and some businesses that have been severely impacted. And, and so thinking of a little bit more like long term of 
if there's a lot of risk in, in the future about your financial stability, there may be some, some time to hold off until things stabilize a little bit. Um, but from the standpoint of mortgage rates uh, and uh, and people deciding to work from home, I think there is a, a big push for people to move more quickly into home ownership. And um, so so just on the rates front, um, we are basically at all time lows on mortgage rates. Um pretty much from every conceivable metric that is out there. And uh, so that just means, obviously, if you're you're buying a home, uh, you know, your monthly payment is going to be less due to uh, a lot of stimulus from the Federal Reserve to push down interest rates. Um, so from that standpoint, it's a great time to, to purchase a home. Uh, having said that, there is also uh, increased demand for homes. And so obviously, as there's increased demand, prices do go up. Um, right. And so they can kind of offset each other to some extent if uh, you see kind of prices rising as, you know, uh, at a faster pace, then potentially rates will have an impact on your monthly payment. So um, it's it's a little bit of a, a, a of um, kind of thinking about your your personal situation, if it makes sense. And uh, I think in a lot of cases, it does make a lot of sense when you look at um, how much you're paying for rent and how much. Uh, you can purchase a home for and then the tax d- deductibility and things like that. So a lot of the times it does make sense. And um, I-, I think this is a great time to purchase a home, generally speaking. And that brings another question. Uh, you talking about you just talked about sort of the logistics about interest rates being low. But how do you know from and this is maybe a little bit of a subjective question, but how do you know from like a personal standpoint that it's the right time to buy? Like, are you looking at certain things with your finances or with your credit score? Like, what are some of those indicators of like, okay, now, now is the time I should I should start thinking about this? Sure. So I think um, the, the, the couple of things that you want to do when you start thinking about buying a home is obviously, I kind of think there's a checklist of, of general items. So so the first thing is, is make sure your credit is 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 good. And um, you know, typically you can get a free credit report very easily these days. Um, I think it's freecreditreport.com or one of these where you can pretty much, uh, at no cost, get a copy of your credit report and see exactly where you stand. Um, and credit scores more than ever have a big impact on your interest rates. So it's definitely something to get ahead of. And if for some reason your credit score is not where you want it to be, um, you can actually spend some time and, and, and energy in, in trying to figure out how you can increase your credit score so that you can be in a position to purchase a home in the near future. And, and typically, you know, the things that you can do are start paying down balances, um, making sure that you, you know, have any, uh, late payments or anything else that could be derogatory on your credit report. Uh, but typically there are things that you can do to optimize, uh, your credit score and, you know, making sure that you're paying attention to that several months before you actually decide to purchase a home is really smart and it will um, help you just be a little bit more informed through the process and not have any like kind of unexpected surprises when you're too far far along. Um, And then the second thing I would say is, is get pre-approved. You know, you may think that you can purchase a home um, and that you have enough cash flow, but remember that the lenders are going to be doing their own analysis, which could be different than yours. And there's a lot of rules around underwriting. Um, so somebody that may be a 1099, for instance, an independent contractor or such, you know, they could potentially um, have great income or cash flow. But if they don't have a two-year history, for whatever reason, of that same 1099, the lender may not give them credit for that income. And so 
um, there are some nuances that are, are pretty important. And I think one of the things that people should do is figure out uh, just at a real high level, based off their income, how much, irrespective of their credit score, how much they can um, they can afford on a monthly payment basis, and and then this the third thing is really the down payment piece, right? So uh, the minimum right now is 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 around three and a half percent, slightly less for conforming mortgage. Three and a half is is really the minimum down payment for FHA, for a Fannie Mae and conforming loan, it's three percent, um, and basically. Um, depending on the price range, you need to have at least 3% of, of whatever the purchase price is um, as a down payment. Now, remember, there's always other costs associated with buying a home and closing costs um, can range anywhere depending on the state because there's different costs in different states. Uh, anywhere from, I would say, probably about 2% to as, as high as 5% um, and depending on um, certain variables. And so, there's also other things that people don't always think about, but there's, you know, the furniture, the fixing of the stuff when you get into your home that, you know, will also put additional like um, strain on your on your cash uh, and your um, ability to um, feel comfortable. So I think it's kind of looking at all these things at, at once and kind of just seeing like, you know, things are always a little bit more than you expect. So just making sure that you're in a position where you have you know, this cash plus the, the closing costs and so forth so that you're feeling really good when you go in your house and, and not feeling super uh, cash strapped. Yeah, I remember when I bought my first house and everything was relative, went relatively smoothly through the mortgage process. And then about three months after owning the house, there was a major issue with the plumbing and we had to replace all of the piping uh, which was, you know, a nice $20,000, $25,000 bill. <laughs> and, and I was in my 20s and the idea of having to like shovel out that kind of money was just frightening. And so I, I can't like echo your point enough that it's it's always great to have an extra like cash reserve, like don't put all your money in the house because hopefully that doesn't happen to you, but inevitably something happens. Yeah, there's usually something that'll pop up that's unexpected. Um and look, it could be smaller, it could be big, but uh, obviously that kind of leads me to my next point is make sure you do a really thorough home inspection um, and make sure you get your own person who's not related to um, the real estate broker or somebody that is associated mm-hmm. with the seller potentially and is really giving you a real um, you know, solid look at, the, at what you're buying and, and giving you a real... So it's one thing you just definitely don't want to skimp on costs and try to say, like, let me find the cheapest home inspector. Uh, let me, I'd rather pay a little bit more to make sure that they uncover any potential problems because if you uncover things before you close, there's a pretty good opportunity to negotiate um, a discount or a credit or something where you can get things resolved before you actually close because obviously that's that's ultimately the motivation for the seller. And once you close, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it becomes your problem. So I, I think um, that's super important to, um, to spend the, the, the right amount of resources and, and making sure you find the right home inspector before you do actually um, move forward with something. How, and how would you find that person? Um, typically, um, you know, typically your broker, whoever's representing you as a buyer um, should have uh, resources available. But like in today's world, I think it's sometimes people can go to the internet and, and read reviews um, and, and search for, for local people that have been in the business uh, for quite some time. It's not 
there's quite a bit of companies out there, but I've always tried to get two or three recommendations for anything that I would, would do and, and interview them and, and just make sure you're going with the right company. Um, but yeah, I think the most important thing is just making sure that whoever it is doesn't have any conflict, um, or any type of association with, uh, the seller. Cause I've, I've seen in, in, in some cases where like, Oh, we, we have a recent home inspection report that we'd be happy to share with you, uh, that somebody else did and it'll save you a couple hundred dollars. Uh, it's definitely not in, in that instance, I would definitely, uh, say thank you, but no thank you and, uh, and try to find your own. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, because no matter how much you're paying for a house, I mean, it is like you said, I, probably the biggest investment you'll make a sizable chunk of change, and you just want to make sure you're not buying the money pit. <laughs> if anybody remembers that movie in that reference, and I want to go back just a little bit to uh, credit scores. Is there like an industry standard of if you're in this sort of range with your credit score that you get the best rates? Yeah, um, so. Prior to COVID, um, kind of the number was kind of, you know, anything above uh, 620 was considered conforming. And so what happened as a result of of COVID is that credit scores shifted up significantly. So I, I would say today um, you can still get a loan for 620, but it's going to be a way less favorable terms than having a 680 credit score per se. 680 credit score today is really what they consider a prime credit. Um, and so where you'll get generally speaking pretty good offers, but really the number you really want to be above is 720. And that's where you're going to see like super excellent offers and have the ability, uh, to shop around and kind of, you know, have a little bit more, uh, flexibility in your options. And so the one thing I'll definitely point out is, be careful when you're checking your credit score because a lot of times people will, uh, you know, like even on your credit card or I, I know with my my credit card company, Citibank, they'll give you like a FICO score um, for free. And what happens is, is that credit score that you see there could be much higher than your actual mortgage credit score. So what happens is the mortgage, uh, the, the credit repositories, Experian, Equifax and TransUnion, they have different models. And so the mortgage model is slightly different than the model um, that you would, that you would see for like on your Citibank app. So you could say like, Oh, I see my credit score is 720. But then when, when, when we pull your credit score, it may be, um, you know, 680 for whatever reason. And so it's super frustrating for consumers and we've seen people be very frustrated. Um, and um, the best way to do it is actually to get a mortgage uh, credit pool to see what your actual mortgage credit score is. And that, that you can do when you're getting pre-approved, which is also another reason why it's important to start that pre-approval process. So sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely noticed it that myself, though, that those credit card statements with the credit score is definitely a lot of times different than the actual credit score. And I'm always scratching my head thinking, where are they pulling this number from? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's basically another thing where like it's where just things are not super transparent and um it's unfortunately you know part of the the financial system that exists today and I think there's a lot of changes being done but I still think people are still confused about a lot of these things. Okay, listen, like many of you out there I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses, and I manage all of our household to-dos. 
Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. We've got an Ask Shauna, and this comes from Lisa. Lisa says, this is not a question, but instead a thank you. I've been listening for quite some time, but recently I went back and re-downloaded some of my favorites. I started feeling some motivation. Maybe it's coming out of COVID slump. Maybe it's me finally wanting to take control. Who knows? Anywho, over the last five days, I've done the following. Made $275 plus selling things on Facebook Marketplace, negotiated my credit card interest rate to 0% for the next 12 months, made a plan to have my credit card paid off in the next three months, will probably be done in two months, and moving in with a friend for six months, which will save me $700 a month, got my bank to quit charging me $5 a month for maintenance, and gotten very, very vulnerable with myself regarding my finances. All it takes is a little motivation and about 10 minutes a day to get some of this done. The credit card negotiation was less than 10 minutes from finding the phone number to the end of the conversation. Easy peasy. I always roll my eyes when you say things like, people just wish they had done it sooner. Well, no more eye rolls for me because I am in that camp. Thank you for continuing to plant the seed in our brains. For those longtime listeners who have not taken the first step or haven't taken a step in a while, it's now your turn. Thanks again, Lisa. Wow, Lisa, <laughs> you definitely deserve a gold star for the day. This is amazing progress. And yes, I too used to roll my eyes a lot at a lot of money advice. So I'm going to try not to spout out anything that I haven't done myself or I haven't struggled with myself on this show because I think it's really important for me to be transparent with you. And I know this stuff is hard. It seems like really easy stuff that you just did, but it actually takes a lot of mindset work to start those dominoes. And I'm really happy that you did. But first, I want to say that anyone that's listening that is feeling like you've somehow failed because you haven't been able to do what Lisa has, especially during this year, please know you have not failed. I don't know how loud I need to say that or how many times I need to say that, but I hope you hear that. You're just on a different path, that's all. And everyone just picks up the torch when they're ready. That's how this works. That's why I keep doing these episodes over and over and over again. Hopefully one of them will inspire you to pick up the torch and do one thing, make one change, make one step, right? It's all progress. But I will say that you do have so much in your control that you might not be aware of, just like Lisa was was referring to. 
you can call your bank and ask them to stop charging those silly bank fees. I just read a report the other day, I think it said the average bank fee was around like $14.50. And my philosophy is that more money is always more money. I would much rather you take that $5 or that $14 or that $25 and invest it or use it to pay off debt. Why are you giving it to the banks? It just doesn't need to be. And a lot of times you're paying fees on things that you don't know you're paying fees on. So that's really where that awareness piece and and looking at your money and being in your money, but not from a negative perspective, but more from like a, you're almost like a detective, right? You're in there, you're trying to spot things that you can redirect. You can check your credit score for free. You can check in on your money each week and just make small changes. You can call your credit card companies and ask them for a rate reduction. You know, what's the worst they're going to say? No, that's not really a bad thing. If you call your credit card company and say, hey, I've been a longtime customer. I would like to have my interest rate reduced or I'm thinking about going to a different card. They're usually going to offer you some sort of rate reduction. And if you get a half a percentage point or one percentage point or like Lisa got down to 0%, that's a serious win if you have debt on that credit card. You can find something in your house that you can sell and make some quick cash. And you can learn a new skill with YouTube or just picking up a book. You don't have to spend a lot of money on these things. And you can find the smallest amount of money in your bank account right now and start investing. We've had so many different guests on this show from so many different apps and companies and investing platforms that you don't have to have it all figured out, right? You just have to start somewhere. So I just want to encourage you, don't let yourself stay stuck. Lisa is passing on the torch to you. So thank you, Lisa, for sharing this and really inspiring others to to take their turn. It doesn't have to take a lot. It just takes a little bit of effort for you to start seeing some big changes with your money. And I'm a big fan, a big advocate, I should say, of of getting pre-approved. You mentioned it, but Walk me through like what are some of the benefits if you're pre-approved like before you go out and start shopping for a house? Yeah, and so being pre-approved, so there's two different levels of of pre-approval and let me kind of speak to that. So there's the pre-approval where where it's more like a pre-qualification where they basically can approve you instantly based off information and credit score um, and they haven't done a super detailed uh, analysis of your whole, uh, they haven't actually looked at like your pay stubs and your uh, W-2s and your tax returns and stuff like that, where they kind of just looked at the big picture and say you qualify. And then they have something else, what they call a verified pre-approval, uh, where they've actually gone through your documents and they've actually done the underwriting and everything is, it looks really good. And obviously the benefits of, of this is going to give you obviously a lot more confidence in going out and looking for homes and knowing exactly what you can afford. Um, but the other benefits is I've seen in some cases where people feel really good, where you're able to negotiate, uh, a little bit better in, in, on the acquisition of the home. And, um, I've even seen people that, you know, have, uh, basically if, if you're pre-approved, obviously when you're talking to the, um, the, your real estate broker who's talking to the selling real estate broker, um, if you say you're pre-approved from, uh, you know, uh, 
they're going to be much more likely to be uh, interested in your offer than not being pre-approved where they still have a little bit of unknown and variable there. Um, and then I've seen a little bit more um, on the aggressive side where people are pre-approved and they're basically shopping around with an all cash offer that's not contingent upon a mortgage, uh, which is much more attractive in the standpoint of a seller who's basically uh, not as worried about having to remove a mortgage contingency, with the, is what they call it, uh, which is basically a clause in your in your purchase contract that would allow you to get out of the contract if you weren't able to qualify for a mortgage. Um, so sellers are looking to remove that contingency as easily and quickly as possible. So if you can help them say, look, hey, I'm really well qualified. I can purchase this home and I've already been pre-approved and they've already done the underwriting. They're going to feel a lot better about going into a contract with you. And, and especially in a, in a competitive market and every market is different, right? So, uh, I know, I know a lot of our clients in California are seeing multiple offers on houses in, 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 you know, in, in the span of days. And I uh, actually was recently on a call trying to sell, uh, a client to the seller's agent to say why they should actually choose this buyer. So, um, that's that's pretty pretty intense, right? Uh, that you have to now convince a seller of why they should pick you, um, and in addition to trying to manage all the other things you're trying to manage at the same time. So, um, it's it's definitely pretty interesting. And that brings up um, a question I have. You know, being the era of of COVID, like we are now, and and people's jobs that they thought were secure, and then they wake up one day and, and they're laid off. I have many friends who had high-level jobs and, and never expected to be laid off. What happens if uh, you're laid off during the loan process? Is it just then a no-go, or how, how does that work? Yeah, unfortunately, that is one thing that there's little wiggle room. If you switch jobs and you get a job that's comparable um, in terms of compensation and it works with those numbers, um, you'd be fine. But if you do lose your job in the middle of the mortgage process, unfortunately, it will not be possible to obtain the mortgage, um, from my understanding, unless you have other significant resources or other people that can step in and, and potentially co-bar for you or um, make a lot of changes at the, at, the, at the last minute there. And so, again, that kind of goes back to my earlier point of, you know, I think most people, generally speaking, have a sense of what's happening within their company or industry. Um, and I think there's some reflection internally where you can say like, okay, the health of my business or company is very good or my industry and uh, I feel pretty good. And then there's people that, um, you know, for whatever reason could be in an industry that's been severely impacted. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns and I, you know, I hate to single out specific industries, but, you know, industries like the airlines, uh, anything related to tourism or hotels and hospitality have, have been significantly impacted. Um, and, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, been a, a kind of a little bit of, uh, support from the government to, to, to bridge things temporarily, but you don't know how those things are going to play out from a longer term perspective. Um, and if there's fundamental shifts in the way people do things in the longer term. Yeah, it's a it's a brave new world. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about about Simplest. Like, how does a digital lender work? Like, how are they different than working with just you know a traditional lender, if you will? Yeah, sure. So, um, so uh, I can tell you a little bit about Simplest and and kind of what we're solving for. Basically, we're a digital mortgage marketplace, and so what that means is we work with over twenty five lenders. 
And basically what we're doing is basically providing uh, a way for people to, you know, basically get their best mortgage options all in one place without the real heavy pressures of dealing with uh, multiple parties all at once and actually trying to figure it out. So it's really a transparent platform that gives you execution. Um, and at the same time, we actually hold the customer's hand from the very start of the process all the way to the, to the finish line. So it's pretty different than a lot of other companies that may be doing lead genera- generation services online where they basically take your information and sell it to 20 different lenders. And then you start getting calls uh, immediately from 20 different people and trying to figure out what you can get. We do the underwriting up front. Then we basically bring in all the offers to the consumer and it gives them basically a way to to take the stress uh, out of trying to figure out where they can go and where they should be going um, and kind of simplifies that process for them. Mm, I like that a lot. Uh, simplifying, yeah. as your name implies, is definitely um, something that I appreciate, especially in the process, because there there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of paperwork, a lot of numbers, like I said in the beginning of this episode. And uh, I think it's really easy to just feel completely overwhelmed in the process. Yeah. And look, one of the things that we really try to do is take a lot of the industry jargon away. Um, And I think that helps a tremendous amount, just um, breaking down mortgage terminology into regular layman's terms is is really already a big step in the right direction. When you start throwing things like loan to value, middle credit scores, (laughs) FICO, CLTV, things like that to customers, they're just completely uh, (laughs) lost and have no idea what this means. And so I think like even if one of the really big pieces of this is really like breaking it down to a, a level that's understandable for the regular consumer and giving them the time and the, and the support early on so that they understand things. And then it makes the whole process much smoother because there's no like unexpected surprises or you don't feel like you're getting taken advantage of. And that's really one of our key things is really providing the technology tools that make it easy and give you the power and put the power in your hands to shop. So you can, you know, basically see all your options. We have zero, um, for instance, we have zero, um, preference of which lender you choose. We we don't have different compensations for different lenders. So we really have no, we really can act in a more fiduciary capacity than a lot of other type of companies in terms of making sure you actually get the best product that's right for you. Um, and that, that helps us. And then obviously giving people the right amount of technology with a, you know, a loan expert, which we call a loan originator, um, which will basically be the person that will be your liaison through the entire process from start to finish. What we've seen in a lot of a lot of companies is basically you get handed off from one person to the next, um, and so we just um, we we really wanted to um, make sure that um, consumers had that relationship piece that we think is important. So. Yeah, that is is so important, uh, and I want to go back just a little bit. We had talked earlier about uh, being self-employed, and I know. A lot of the listeners are are in that uh, place where they're either self-employed or have side hustles. How does someone who is self-employed, like what sort of requirements do they need to meet in order to buy a house? Because I know it's a lot more difficult to actually get a mortgage. Yeah, so 
I think self-employed people are, are are still able to obtain financing, generally speaking. It's just a little bit more difficult than it was before. Um, and look, from the standpoint of a lender, it makes a lot of sense. Um, in this, like they're obviously want to make sure that, um, you know, whoever's in the self-employed is still maintaining a good business and they're still getting paid. And it's a little bit more tricky to, it's a little trickier to figure out like that from a lender standpoint, if, if their business is still, still doing well, as opposed to just seeing a, a paycheck or something like that. Right. So, 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 so typically speaking, just from a real high level, the things that they're looking for today, I think are pretty reasonable. Um, so they're asking for a profit and loss statement for the, for the year. For, so for the year of like right now, they're asking for a profit and loss for the, up to the last quarter. So they'd ask you for a profit and loss through the end of June, basically showing um, how your business has performed for the first um, six months of the year. Right. And then they're also going to ask for bank statements or documentation that will prove that there is activity in your accounts that actually makes sense when looking at your profit and loss. Right. So if you have a business bank account and there's no deposits coming in, you know, that's going to be a red flag. Right. Um, because they're going to they're going to say, well, what's going on with the business? And then the third thing they're going to want to see is they're going to want to see that the business is still operational today. Right. And making sure that the business is open, making sure that, you know, and that may be them going to a website that may be them calling the, the number on uh, on the web on your website. Or it could be uh, a letter from your accountant saying that the business is still active and operating today. Uh, but they're going to want confirmation that, um, you know, those things are, are still happening and that the business is healthy. Um, and so I think, um, I think those are some, some more meaningful changes, but again, if, if, if it's there, then you can document it, it can still be done. Okay. That makes sense. And, uh, I want to just talk briefly for, for someone who might not be in the know on this. Can you walk me through just a little bit? Like, what is the difference between say like a fixed mortgage loan and a variable mortgage loan? Sure. Um, so a fixed mortgage loan is, is pretty much, um, you know, what the name implies, but basically it's fixed. The, the, the interest rate is fixed over the, the life of the loan, right? So if it's a 30 year fixed mortgage, the interest rate is fixed for 30 years. If it's a 15 year fixed mortgage, interest rate is fixed for 15 years. A variable rate mortgage, um, is basically one where there is usually a, typically a fixed period, um, and that could be three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. Um, and after that first fixed period, then it could be a monthly adjustable, which means um, that the interest rate could fluctuate on a monthly basis. Um, and that that is basically most people today will go for a 30 year fixed or 15 year fixed, typically speaking. Um, and they do have some new products that are like a 20 year fixed or 25 year fixed, um, which are a little bit in, in between. Um, adjustable rate arms ha- have been really popular in the past um, as interest rates were higher. And, and so I'm going to get a little technical here, but there's a yield curve. And so there's short-term interest rates and there's long-term interest rates. And when long-term interest rates are high and short-term interest rates are really low, it makes more sense to take an adjustable rate mortgage. Today, essentially what we have is a really flat yield curve. And so short-term rates are very close to long-term rates. and the benefit of taking an adjustable today is probably not as good as it could be if it was a steeper yield curve. And so um, it's definitely something that people should take into consideration. But from what I'm seeing on my side is generally speaking, 
there's very little difference between the adjustable arm today and what it could be uh, for a 30-year fix. So it doesn't make sense, I don't think, from that that perspective. Now, if things do change, uh, it's definitely something to consider, especially if you think that you may be um, in a home for maybe maybe you think this could be a five-year home or a seven-year home. Um, and that could impact your decision if you could save some money uh, over the first five or seven years, if you really know that this is not going to be your uh, long-term, uh, you know, housing situation. So, um, I'll just to give you kind of quick stats, most people, on average, don't live in a house more than seven years. Um, yeah, and so, um, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's some some statistic that basically people will move or they'll upsize or they'll downsize or they'll just move to a different city. But on average, the average life of a loan is about seven years, um, which is, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I always, you know, kind of, kind of think about it a little bit from my, my standpoint is remember banks are selling, uh, financial institutions are selling a product and they're always trying to push you in sort of a product that's best for them. And so, uh, I always tell people, I always tell people to think about it a little bit and, uh, people have been a little bit pre-programmed to always think to go for 30 cause that's what they, that's what they hear. Um, but it's also the, sometimes you'll pay more for that. So really think about your situation and, um, I'll give you my, I took a five-year mortgage, um, personally. And, uh, cause I just knew this was going to be a house that I'd probably have for five years or so. Um, and, um, yeah, you just have to be comfortable and it's it definitely, there is some risk involved that your monthly payment could go up. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if you're comfortable with that risk, you can save some money, uh, over the course of the, 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 the initial fixed period. And, and potentially you can save money after, because what happens after it adjusts is it, it's tied to an index and a margin, uh, and like, for instance, today, um, I think the the margin is about two and a quarter and and I think rates are at zero. So basically, if it floated today, it would still be really low. Um, and so there really, it wouldn't be an impact. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I had no idea that the average stat was seven years in a house, but that kind of makes sense because we're all in we switch jobs so often, too, that uh, I guess that does kind of make sense. <laughs> I would love for you, uh, we've talked about so many different things, but I, I'd love to just kind of wrap it up. If there are maybe like your top, you know, one, two, three things that you think we should absolutely know before we go into the process to, to get a mortgage, what would those be? Yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to go back to the same points I, I really said before. First of all, work with somebody that you like and that you trust um, and, and, and get multiple, you know, kind of quotes and offers from from different people because just going to one person is is usually not the best um you know best thing from from a consumer standpoint right you want to have optionality you want to make sure that you're getting the best deal um so i would definitely say try to get two or three referrals and speak to two or three different people before starting the process understand your credit score um really get in front of that and spend time making sure and if your credit score is great already then there's not much you have to do except make sure it stays stays there but if it's less than you want to and say it's 680 like you should really be focusing on how can I get it to 720 um and and the reason I say that is like the difference between 680 and 720 could be meaningful it could be the difference of a half a percent on an interest rate um which over time can add up to a lot of dollars that you could be investing or spending it to pay down student loans or uh, or doing other things with. And a lot of the time, what I've seen is it's not meaningful changes of what you have to do. It's just 
making some slight temporary decisions and moving things around that can actually get you to a much more optimal place. Um, and then obviously the last thing is save before you decide to buy a house, have that extra cushion, feel really good about it. And if you can get, um, to a point where you can find, you know, 20%, that's going to save you, um, a lot of money because anything over 20%, um, uh, anything less than 20% on a down payment is going to require mortgage insurance, uh, which is going to be an extra additional cost on top of your regular monthly payment, um, for borrowing, uh, more than what, what the lenders perceive as, as safe. And that is really at that 80%, um, borrowing compared to the purchase price of the home. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, those are, those are the things that I would, if I were going to buy a house in the next six months, those are the things I would really, um, focus on. I really wouldn't worry, uh, too much about interest rates because they change all the time. And so I would, I would keep an eye on them, but I wouldn't really be worried about trying to time, you know, a, a certain interest rate over a period of a week or two, because you saw last week was all time and like rush into doing something. I would, I think generally speaking, we're going to have a really good interest rate environment for the next couple of years. And, um, I think there's going to be great opportunities. So I, I wouldn't be too worried and like try to do things too quickly because you see interest rates being really, uh, really low. And I would just make sure that you've actually done that personal reflection and, and feel really good about, uh, your future income, uh, and everything else. And, and it's a big decision. Uh, and there's always additional costs that are associated with it, but yeah, I think it's just something that you got to be ready to do and, 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 and start preparing for it. Cause it's a major decision. All I'm saying is that I'm hoping I can score at least a virtual invitation to a housewarming once you buy your new digs. If you want to learn more about Simplest and getting a mortgage, head over to simplest.com where you can connect with a loan expert on the homepage and schedule a call. Right now, they're licensed in six states, but they're expanding rapidly. So they hope by the end of this year, they'll be in almost every state. So here is to happy house hunting, and I hope your mortgage process is a breeze. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.